this Sunday marks the first Sunday in four weeks leading up to Christmas. We call that Advent. It is the on-ramp that leads us up to Christmas. It's very similar to Lent. Lent is not something that you just find in your pockets um, after you get your clothes out of the dryer. It's a season, a seven-week season that leads us up to Easter, leads us up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Advent is much the same in that it's a four-week time of preparation, spiritual preparation for the coming of Christ. And so for just the next few weeks, if you would allow me, I want us to take time to prepare ourselves for His coming. To prepare ourselves for the presence of God would that be all right I know we've been talking a lot about his presence and perhaps children are the one that best exemplifies this time of season Advent because when we think about Advent here's what the word actually means it means an arrival or coming especially one which is awaited an arrival or coming, especially one which is awaited. And it means to be waiting with hope or to be waiting in anticipation or waiting in expectation of something. And of course, at the first Christmas, what they were waiting for in expectation and anticipation was the first coming of Christ. But as I said, children probably best exemplify this time of season more than any other group of people because children this time of year are full of anticipation and expectation about Christmas now of course we know that children are waiting in expectation and anticipation for presence we wait in expectation and anticipation of God's presence and this morning, I want to introduce you to a couple of people in Luke chapter 2 that really were not a part of the Christmas story. They didn't come along until about 40 days after the birth of Christ. But it's two people that I think epitomize what it means to wait in hope. And these two people that I want to introduce you to this morning, in case you don't know them, maybe you already do, but these two people are... Simeon and Anna. As far as I know, they are not related to one another. But in thinking about Advent, Advent is an anticipation of the second coming of Christ by us reflecting on the first coming of Christ or Christmas. In other words, you and I now today, we are eagerly awaiting. We are waiting in hope we are waiting in expectation we are waiting in anticipation for the second coming of Jesus Christ but I believe this morning in this room that there are some people who are waiting in hope for some other things in your life and I would hope that before we leave here today that you will be encouraged by God's Word and that you will be encouraged by the presence of the Holy Spirit let's go to this story in Luke chapter 2 
And what I want to do with you this morning is I want to just kind of read through the story and I want to make some comments and then I'm going to close today with some personal application that I think will help all of us as we continue to wait in hope. Luke chapter 2 verse 21. It says, And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. Can I just ask you to say that name with me this morning? Jesus. Let's just say it one more time. Jesus. So they bring the baby on the eighth day to be circumcised, and his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, according to Jewish tradition and culture, when a child was born, a male child was born, on the eighth day, you would bring them in to be circumcised. It was the sign of the covenant that God had made with Abraham. And at that time, they were given their name. Now, we know that Jesus had already been given his name even when he was in his mother's womb by the angel. But the name that he was given was the name Jesus which means the Lord saves. And that's exactly what this group of people, these Israelites, the nation of Israel, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for someone who would come to save them. But what they were looking for was a political savior. They were looking for someone who would come and deliver them from the oppression and the rule of Rome. But Jesus knew, God knew, that they needed to be delivered from more than just the oppression of Rome and the rule of Rome. They needed to be delivered from themselves and their sin. Isn't it amazing sometimes how similar that is to us? We think that a political leader is the answer to all of our problems. That what we need is a political savior. But aren't you thankful this morning that Jesus knows what we really need. And what we really need because what the root of our problems continue to be is ourselves and our sin. And Jesus has come to save us from ourselves and from our sin. Oh, what a Savior. And then the story continues. It says, now when the days of her, that is Mary, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were complete, that would have been 40 days, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So first of all, there is circumcision. Then there is purification, according to the Jewish custom and according to the Jewish law. That a woman, after giving birth, would purify herself for 40 days and then they would bring the child to Jerusalem in order to present the child to the Lord and as we continue in the story it says that as, as it is written in the law of the Lord every male who opens the womb that is the firstborn every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord you remember that the scripture had said that the firstborn belongs to God. And so the parents would have to redeem back from God their firstborn, would have to buy back from God their firstborn, which means that they would have to bring with them a sacrifice. 
And verse 24 says, They brought their sacrifice according to what is said in the law of Moses, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, really what the law called for was a lamb without spot and without blemish. But God made a provision in the law that if there was someone who could not afford a lamb, then they could purchase either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, which tells us that Joseph and Mary were not wealthy people. They were poor. They couldn't afford the lamb. And so they had to purchase a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, this is ironic to me, the symbolism of this, that Joseph and Mary are bringing a sacrifice for the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. They bring a sacrifice for the one who will ultimately do away with the sacrificial system altogether because he would make the sacrifice of all sacrifices. As I said, he was the lamb without spot and without blemish who took away the sins of the world. And then the scripture continues in verse 25 and says, Behold, and here's where I want to introduce you to this first character in this story. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The name Simeon means to hear and to obey. And we're going to see that he did both. But there was a man named Simeon in Jerusalem and this man was just and devout. I'm going to talk to you about those two things in just a moment. And notice what Simeon is doing. He is waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the Messiah. He is waiting in hope for the one who is going to come and restore the nation of Israel. He epitomizes one who waits in hope. Most theologians tell us that he's probably in his 80s by now. Some think that he is as old as 113. And he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. And I love this. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, you know, when I read this, I couldn't help but thinking about when my grandson Oliver was born a little over a year ago, and I took that precious child in my hands and I, and I held him in my arms, and, and you know what thought came to my mind when I was holding my grandson? The thought that came to my mind was, I'm literally holding the future in my arms and and that's what Simeon was doing Simeon was holding the future in his arms but not only was he holding the future he was holding the ancient of days he was holding the rock of ages he was literally holding eternity 
in his arms. And then the story continues on and says that Simeon said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word because he had been promised that you will not die until you see your salvation. He said, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples, a light to bring revelation to Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. In other words, Jesus will be a light to the Gentiles and he would restore glory to the nation of Israel. And Simeon, now get this, Simeon is quoting a prophecy that was spoken by Isaiah hundreds of years in advance. And at some point in time, in Isaiah chapter 9, and in some point in time, the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon, we don't know when it was, we don't know how old Simeon was, but at some point, the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon, you will not die until you see this prophecy fulfilled. You will not die until you see the salvation of the Lord. You will not die until you see the consolation of Israel. And here he is now, possibly as old as 113, and he finally sees, he finally experiences what he has been waiting in hope for. But then notice what happens in verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many. What, what a paradox here that Jesus would be the reason that many would rise, but then he would also be the reason that others would fall. And then he says, not only that, but for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, he says this now to Mary. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. Now those words would come back to Mary when she would see her son Jesus hanging on a cross. And she would be pierced in her soul with a sword. She would remember those words that was prophesied by Simeon. And he said, all of this is going to happen so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You see, you can always tell from a person. You can, you can discern a person's heart by how they act and by what they say. And so Simeon was saying that you will be able to discern people's hearts because of how they treat the Savior. Because of how they talk about the Savior. But then in verse 36, we're introduced to the second character of this story that I want you to be familiar with. And this is a woman by the name of Anna. And it says that there was one Anna. You know what her name means? Grace. And isn't it amazing that grace is waiting in hope? Because God gives us grace. God gives us the strength that we need to wait in hope. And Anna is a prophetess. Yes, the Bible calls a woman a prophetess. It is biblical for women to be prophets. Is that all right? The Bible confirms that. Now there, and I believe my wife had a preaching spell on her this morning. I believe if I would have just 
gotten out of the way, she might have just turned loose this morning. And we need to turn her loose here pretty quick so you can hear her minister God's word. But there was one named Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. And notice it says about her, it's not going to tell us her age because she is a woman, but it says she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity and this woman was a widow of about 84 years so at the youngest she's probably in her mid-90s many believe that she's closer to a hundred so you have Simeon who could be as old as 113 but more than likely in his 80s and then you have Anna who could be in her hundreds but more than likely in her 90s and notice what it says about her. She did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming, I love this, in that instant. Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit can set up a moment? How the Holy Spirit can set up a moment. And I'm going to tell you here in just a moment a few things that you can do to make sure you don't miss your moment that you've been waiting and hope for. And notice it says, coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke to him of all those who looked for the redemption of Jerusalem. So here we have Simeon waiting in hope for the consolation of Israel. We have Anna who is waiting in hope for the redemption of Jerusalem. But my question to you this morning is this, what is it that you, are waiting for what is it this morning that you are waiting in hope for let me, let me ask you another question how many of you here this morning enjoy waiting I don't see a single hand I'm just going to be honest with you this morning I hate to wait I'm not a good waiter God's been trying to teach me to wait with a little bit better spirit and attitude. I'm not a good waiter. Maybe that's one of the reasons God brought me out of Atlanta. I got tired of waiting in traffic everywhere I went, staying frustrated, staying stressed all the time. And you know what? Since I've come here to Summerton in this Summerton area, I've not been frustrated with traffic. Thank God for that. I'm happy about that. I really am. What is it that you're waiting for this morning? You know what? I don't think any of us say we would enjoy going to the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, and sitting there all day waiting, trying to renew our tags or trying to renew our license. I don't, I don't like when I call, like to find out something about my cell phone, and I call and they put me on hold. And they leave me on hold for what seems like hours. I don't like that. Like I said, I've just never been a, a real good waiter. I don't understand when we go to the restaurants why the people who serve us are called waiters because I'm the one waiting. I mean, it just makes sense to me that I'm called the waiter. They're the servers. But on a more serious note, there's some of you here this morning. You have been waiting in hope. There, there's... There's possibly, and I really sense this in my spirit here today, that there is a couple here this morning that you have been waiting to have a child in hope 
You have been waiting to get pregnant. You've been, you've been waiting to give birth to life. And you've been waiting in hope. And you know that God has given you a word. And you know that God has given you a promise. And you're wondering, now here I am. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 30s and it hasn't happened yet. Or in my 40s and it, and it happened, hasn't happened yet. So how much longer, God, am I, am I going to have to wait? There, there are some of you here this morning perhaps that are saying, God, how much longer am I going to have to wait to find that spouse? That husband, that wife, you've been waiting in anticipation, waiting in expectation, waiting in hope. For others of you, it's a job. You've been wondering, when, when am I going to get another job? When am I going to get a better job? When am I going to get a better paying job? And you've been waiting in hope. Some of you have been saying, God, how much longer am I going to have to wait for the restoration of my marriage? God, how much longer am I going to have to wait for the restoration of my family? You see, because there are so many here this morning, maybe you are waiting for different reasons. And the problem is that there are some here today, I believe that even Simeon at times got a little bit frustrated. That sometimes Simeon was tempted to perhaps let go of the word that God gave to him. But here's what I appreciate about Simeon and Anna. God gave them a word and they held on to that word until the word became reality in their lives. And so I, I just want to give you a few practical things this morning. A few practical things that I think will help us in our waiting. Because the fact is, a lot of folks are waiting today but are we waiting the way we should be waiting? How do we wait in hope? Here's the first thing that I've learned from this passage, and that is we've got to learn how to keep in step with the Spirit. Now let me explain to you what I mean by that. When we go back to that story in Luke chapter 2, it says that behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And notice what it says about Simeon here. The Holy Spirit was upon him. But then you go to verse 26 and it says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And then when you go to verse 27, it says though he was led by the Holy Spirit into the temple. You say, now why is that important? It's important because of what Paul tells us. I know it says Ephesians 5.25. It's actually Galatians 5.25. But here's what Paul tells us. He says that if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Because in our waiting, if we're not careful sometimes, when God gives us a word, when God gives us a promise, about our purpose or about our destiny. Here's what we want to do. We want to take one big giant step to get from where we are to where God wants to take us. But notice what Paul says. Paul said what we need to be more concerned about is not what is that one big giant step that will get me from where I am to where God wants me to go, but what I need to be concerned about is what is my next step and then the one after that and then the one after that and then the one after that because here's what I'm convinced of that if we are living in the spirit and if we are walking in the spirit ultimately we will end up where God wants us to be 
Is there anybody that can confirm that here this morning? If so, why don't you just give God a good praise right here for how he has guided your steps and brought you to where you are today. We've got to keep in step with the Spirit. Now listen, it's not going to be the path that you probably had prepared, but it'll be his path. And in his time, he will get you where he wants to take you. But we go one step at a time. That's what somebody needs to hear this, hear this morning. You just need to know, what's my next step? Just take that next step, and then that next step, and then that next step, and watch when ultimately you end up right where God planned your life to end up being led by His Spirit. But here's the second thing that we've got to do. Not just be led by the Spirit, but cultivate Christ-like character. You see, here's what God was doing with Simeon. He was working in Simeon while Simeon was waiting in hope. And look what happens here. Verse 25. Behold, there was a man, his name was Simeon. And look at this. He was a man who was just and devout. Just is a word that means to be conformed to God's character. So here is a man who is being conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. But not only was he just, he was also devout. And that word devout means to hang on to the good. Even when you're tempted to lose grip, you continue to hang on to the good. Now let me tell you something about these two character qualities. These two character qualities are not cultivated overnight. These are character qualities that are cultivated over a lifetime. You see, sometimes God has to work in you before he can work through you. He has to prepare you for the place that he has ordained as your purpose. And so we need to allow the Holy Spirit, be obedient to the Holy Spirit to do his work in us. You say, well, why is that so important? Because if your gifts, now listen to what I'm about to say, this is so important. If your gifts take you where your character cannot sustain you, it'll end up being tragedy and the blessing will be a curse. And God in his love and God in his mercy and God in his grace will not allow your gifts to take you where your character cannot sustain you. And so he will allow a season in our lives where he cultivates Christ-like character in our lives. How many of you have seen somebody arrive too early? And it ended up being a disaster because of cracks in their character. Cultivate Christ-like character. And then Anna teaches us something about how we continue to wait and hope. And I know this is going to sound like a pat answer. We just got to keep fasting and praying. But the scripture says that 
There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. She never departed from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She continued praying. She continued fasting. Her season, which seemed like seasons. Is there anybody that feels like you've gone through seasons of waiting in hope? Listen to me this morning. Keep praying. Keep fasting. One thing that we need to understand about Advent is that Advent is a season of fasting. Spiritual preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. Spiritual preparation for the coming of the presence of the Lord. But what we've done, and, and in a lot of ways, we the church are most guilty of this. We've taken a season of fasting and we've turned it into a season of feastings where it's all about parties and it's all about celebrations. But oh, if we would just focus on these next four weeks to prepare ourselves spiritually, it will be the greatest Christmas that we have ever experienced in our lives. And not only that, it will prepare us to have the greatest year going into 2017 that we have ever experienced. I want somebody to give God some glory and praise in this house. Hallelujah. Can I tell you why we need to fast? Because I have a lot of people ask me that question. What's the purpose of fasting? Because here, here's, the, here's the purpose. When we don't fast, when we do not fast, we get full of ourselves. And fasting... It's not so much about emptying your body of food as it is about emptying yourself of self. Do you remember that first Christmas when Mary and Joseph knocked on the door of the innkeeper and he said, there's no room here for you. Are we so full of ourselves that when Jesus stands at the door and says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, I'll come in. Are we so full of ourselves that there's no room for God in our lives? Fasting makes room for God. And then just one final thing this morning as it relates to waiting and hope. Stay focused on the promise. Stay focused on the promise. Because the Bible tells us about Anna that coming in that instant she gave thanks to the Lord. Can we just stop right here for just a moment and offer heartfelt thanksgiving to the Lord for how good he's been to us over the span of our lives? Could we just take a moment and do that in your own way? Just close your eyes and focus on him and offer heartfelt gratitude and thanksgiving to him father we thank you today that you loved us enough to send us a savior a deliverer a healer 
Jesus, you are our hope. You are what we have been waiting for. You are the answer. You are the light for our darkness. You are our wisdom for our confusion. You are the peace for our stress. You are the joy for our mourning. We thank you, Father, that you didn't send us what we wanted, but you sent us just what we needed. You sent us a Savior who would save us from ourselves and from our sin, who would meet our greatest need. We thank you for it. She gave thanks to the Lord, and then notice what she did next. It says that she spoke of him to all those. So Simeon and Anna were not the only ones that were waiting in hope. To all those who looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. There were others who had heard those prophecies, others who had heard those promises, others who had gotten those words from God. And they were hanging on to that word. They were staying focused on God's promises. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. Is there anybody here this morning in a season of waiting? I just see your hand and I've got my hand up. I'm waiting, I'm still waiting for some things that God has spoken and promised me. And I'm waiting with hope, I'm waiting with anticipation, I'm waiting with expectation. And you know why? Because of what we sang about today, God is faithful. When I go back and read this book, God has a pretty good track record. Every word that He has spoken has come to pass. And every word that He speaks will continue to come to pass. Hold on. Stay in step with the Spirit. Keep walking in the Spirit. Take it one step at a time. Be submissive to the Holy Spirit as He cultivates that Christ-like character. Because you're going to be better for this. Did you hear me? Somebody, you need to hear me. You're going to be better for this. Not bitter for this. I don't know who that word right there was for, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit just inspired that out of my mouth. Because there's somebody here today, the enemy wants to take where you are and turn it into a bitter experience. He wants to use this season of waiting to cause you to get bitter against God. But no, not bitter, better, better. God's going to make you better. Mm, he's going to make your marriage better. He's going to make your family better. He's going to make your job situation better, better, better. Look at your neighbor say, better, better. So much better than bitter. Cultivating Christ-like character. Keep praying. Keep praying 
fasting. I don't know what that may look like for you during this Advent season. I don't have a prescribed formula saying, okay, we're all going to fast on these days at these times. No, but let the Holy Spirit lead you. What will your season of fasting during Advent look like? What will you do to make room for God in your life? And hang on to that word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need grace. Grace. Marvelous grace to give strength to your people today in their season of waiting. God, there may be somebody in this room today, Holy Spirit, and you know who they are. Who is ready to give up hope. But they've heard a word today that I believe has ignited a spark mm. and renewed their outlook, renewed their hope to once again believe. <laughs> to once again believe that you are a faithful God and you will do what you said. You will do just as Simeon saw the salvation of the Lord. Just as Anna saw the redemption of Jerusalem, we shall see everything that you have promised us. Father, even here at Summerton Church of God, you have spoken words over this body of believers. You have spoken words over this church, prophetic words. And Father, we're not going to lose grip on those words. We're not going to lose hope in those words. But Father, we believe that everything that you have spoken over this house, it is going to come to pass. Even what Jamie shared in this pulpit today, that this brother called her and said this house would be, it will be that and then some, God. In honor and in glory to your name. <laughs>